0: To pretty Scary with your hosts Caitlin Cutter, Gary Mark, and Tom Brown. Hey, everybody. Hey. Welcome to yep. Pretty Scary.
1: Yes, Pretty Scary. Boo.
0: Ah. Oh. Yeah, oh, I gotcha. Oh, you gave me a little fright there. Gotcha. I'm a spooky, spooky lady. I am Adam Todd Brown.
1: And I am
0: Caitlin Cutt. And that means we are your hosts. Together. Yes. Together. Once again, Caitlin, welcome back.
1: Gosh, thanks for having me again. I'm always excited to find out that I'm still co-hosting this show. St- and
0: I wake up and find out that I'm hosting the show with you. And it's, it's crazy
1: every time. Who's that, who's that guy that texts us? I guess I don't know if it's a guy. Who's the person?
0: I just go to a park each morning, and if there's a white yeah. mark on this one particular tree, not going to say what tree it is. No, 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 no. Then I know it is time to host Pretty Scary. And once again, that mark was on that tree, I think.
1: I get a hawk. Wow.
0: Yeah. I don't like birds, so I'm, I'm fine with
1: I, I'm sure that's why you didn't. I mean, I it's a it. scary-ass hawk. All hawks are scary. Yeah, it's,
0: it's a carnivorous bird. Hey, speaking of things I don't like. Yeah. Caitlin, what are we talking about this week?
1: Something that should be some form of violation of journalistic integrity.
0: (laughs) Yeah, people should go to jail for what we're talking about today. And in one sense, people did go to jail because we're talking about the death of Harold Sasco.
1: The thing about this off the top. Harold Sasco is the I'm going to put I guess I guess technically he is the victim of the story but he is not a victim Ugh. in he wasn't he was only a victim the moment he was murdered <laughs>
0: He's one of he the was victims. A, he was a
1: predator until then, though. Right. So he's so, one of the victims. He is one of the victims of a Fear Thy Roommate episode that we covered a few weeks ago for shits and giggles, so to speak. And as Adam and I watched the show and kind of went back and forth about the topic, we both just in our gut were like, something is really, really not right with the way this story has played out. Like something in the sense that we knew things had been left out. And of course, Adam and I are not idiots. We understand that reality-based, quote unquote, television, especially true crime, we know things get repackaged, aspects of cases get reemphasized. But I don't know, Adam, is that really what happened here?
0: (laughs) This is a crime against television, what happened here. I was already suspicious when in this episode of Fear Thy Roommate, they didn't act like the fact that a boss was moving his 19-year-old attractive young female employee into his home yeah. as creepy at all.
1: And the way they position it to take it a step further is that he was doing this girl a favor, that he always wanted children. That I mean, that's literally a line from the episode. He wanted a big family. He got a big house so he could have a big family. He wanted and- children,
0: all right. Yeah. Here's the thing. This episode of Fear Thy Roommate should have been an episode of Ghost Adventures because it feels like Harold Sasco wrote it. It's crazy. Like it if we'll talk about (laughs) the trial later on, the trial of Sarah McLennan, which is not
1: in the Fear Thy Roommate episode. Nothing,
0: nothing about the trial. And we can see why
1: that got left out.
0: This episode tells the story from not only from the prosecution's perspective completely, but from a version of that perspective that really makes Harold Sasco out to be someone he was not.
1: It reeks. It It, reeks. It's
0: almost scary how wrong they get this story. It's
1: pretty, pretty scary.
0: Pretty scary. Boo! And uh, you you understand once you look into the story more why there was no one speaking on Sarah McLain's behalf in this yeah. episode except her lawyer who is a fucking nightmare
1: because she had nobody
0: yeah well no she did like her mom yeah. has been speaking out on her behalf this whole time There's- oh I see.
1: yeah as far as
0: yeah. Yeah, there were people that could have been interviewed. There's a reporter who we'll, we'll talk about later who was writing about this for like two solid years and covering it in a way no one else was covering it. Where the fuck was she in this episode? Instead, they talked to this dipshit who's like, when you see someone cut a rabbit's throat in the sink, that's a red flag. Well, thanks, lady. That is top notch insight.
1: She, she sucks. She really, really sucks. The good news is just to bring it back to us because that's what matters here. I love this format. (laughs) This has got to be something we do again because woo. Yeah. Woo.
0: (laughs) Yeah. I imagine if this episode is, as, because this could be as half as bad as it is, and it would still be a travesty. So I bet there are lots of episodes out there where the same thing happens where they really play fast and loose with the facts
1: i don't even know if i don't even know what this is this is like putting it in a neutral bullet or something yeah like i don't this is like okay all right let's just should we just give the people what you've discovered adam because holy shite
0: and just to give people a little background on what the episode was about and how they if
1: this is the first episode of pretty scary that you've ever listened to we should give you some background right well i mean we did
0: the episode about the fear thy roommate episode we did that a couple months ago by the time this goes out it was a while back
1: oh man that's crazy oh yeah because the holidays sucked our lives away so so you can find it it's in the feed yeah it's there
0: the episode of the show on Investigation Discovery was called Down the Rabbit Hole. They really went to great lengths to make Harold Sasco seem like he was just a kind-hearted soul who only wanted to lend a helping hand to a troubled teen in need. And sure, yes. he had a minor slip up and hit on her one time when he was sad and drunk. But beyond that, pizza restaurant owner he's, with a heart of gold.
1: He's just a man, Adam. It's gonna happen. And like, how creepy
0: could his living arrangement with a 19-year-old employee really be if his girlfriend of a few months didn't object? Uh, That was- I mean, a
1: girlfriend of a few months knows everything about you, especially a girlfriend of a few months who doesn't live with you. Right.
0: She is uh, one of the focal points of the episode. A lot of the defense of Harold Sasco comes from her and another woman who I think was his sister-
1: It's his sister. She's a menace to society, man. Refuses to see her brother in any other light other than the way this episode is. For basically, she wrote this episode, actually. I don't know that. I mean, listen, do I believe a ghost could come back and write an episode of true crime television? (laughs) Yes, I do. A hundred percent. Less complicated is I think the sister wrote this episode. Well, I mean, in a sense, she did. The episode
0: tells the facts of the story, but it's the sister and the ex-girlfriend who kind of fill in. They do like the color commentary about everything. <sighs> they say some crazy things about Harold Sasko. We're going to get into individual quotes and things. It's nuts.
1: Don't believe everything you watch on TV, kids. This is a play-by-play for why you shouldn't. One thing I think is really important to say about- up at the medium top which is where we are yeah um there are episodes of true crime television that don't have all the facts simply because they there's too much story to tell and it doesn't make it into the 40 minutes that was edited together i do not believe this is the case for this story i wanted to very clearly state this just you know because sometimes it's like oh well they didn't interview the security guard that saw him right re- they just don't have time or they couldn't get them. That's one thing. This is totally different, in my opinion. That's, well, I, I, I wanted to say that.
0: Well, because this isn't them leaving things out. It's them changing details yes. and delivering details incorrectly. There's a whole lot of information about this case out there on the Internet And I want to mention right up top, if you want a lot more details on this case, check out the reporting done by a writer named Melinda Henneberger of the Kansas City Star. Because this happened in Kansas City. We'll link to some of Melinda Henneberger's articles in the show notes. But if you go to the Kansas City Star and search, there's a whole lot more. Uh, Please do read more about this. So let's go through some of the things this episode. Got wrong. Right off the bat, Harold Sasco's pizza business, he didn't own pizza restaurants. He owned Cece's pizza Not franchises. The same.
1: Not the same.
0: That is like calling rubbing alcohol vodka.
1: <laughs> Cece's is filthy.
0: I went to a Cece's one time, and Caitlin, the pizza was wet, like uh, like uh, wet ugh. with water. Not grease. It wasn't like just blot the grease off of it. No, 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 please. It was wet with water. I
1: I believe you. For some reason, of all of the heinous shit we have talked about on this show over the years, that actually made me nauseous.
0: Caitlin, they have a macaroni and cheese pizza. And if you're one of those people who was listening to me trash CeCe's with that comment in the back of your mind, yeah, but have you tried the macaroni and cheese pizza? Fuck no. Of course not. What
1: the hell? What they have a macaroni
0: and cheese pizza? Yeah, and what a lazy fucking pizza. You just make mac and cheese and spread it over crust and bake it? Come on. That's disgusting for one thing.
1: Oh, this makes me sick. I, I went into a CC's once and left. <laughs> I did I did too
0: I, when my pizza I, was wet with water. I wasn't gonna I, eat it. It's
1: like, you know what? I'm not that hungry. I'll 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 start intermittent fasting. This is this is how it begins.
0: Yeah. <laughs> No way. So we should have probably put that fact in the middle to kind of soften the blow of everything else that's coming.
1: No, this is the least egregious thing, <laughs> frankly. The thing is, the episode makes it look like he runs like a cool Mexican restaurant. Like,
0: Yeah, he definitely full on. does not.
1: Yeah, and and they even say he runs a restaurant with a bar. And I'm sorry, mm. if Cece serves alcohol, which I don't know if they do, It's not a bar. It's not a bar.
0: It's just a place that shouldn't serve alcohol.
1: Yeah, Although maybe you do need to get tanked to be like a macaroni and cheese pizza.
0: You got to be drunk going in to eat at CeCe's. I don't know why. (laughs) Most
1: are. Most are.
0: Yeah. It's irresponsible of them to have Mm -hmm. a bar.
1: It's just like a whole chain restaurant for deadbeat dads to go and give their kids a good time. That's all it is.
0: It's so gross. It's a good value, though. It's like it's a pizza buffet that's like three dollars or something. Don't come at us.
1: With your CC's defenses, okay. I'm not responding to CC's tweets.
0: Yeah, especially if you own a CC, sell it. Who are you, Harold Sasco? Don't be a creep.
1: Sounds like you're an old Harold Sasco. Yeah. Let's keep going.
0: All right. So, the first, especially egregious fact that this episode gets wrong is uh, how old Sarah McLenn was when Harold Sasco met her.
1: We could stop. The whole episode with this fact, in my opinion, and that that should be enough, frankly. Yeah. But we'll keep going. And it
0: makes the opening line of the episode even worse because it turns out the person who delivers this opening line is her nightmare of a lawyer who we'll talk about later. Sarah's lawyer. Sarah's lawyer. Yes. Mm -hmm. This is a quote from him. It's the opening line of the episode. If you're an adult and you want to live with another adult. Act like an adult. Find out who the person is. Don't just move in. So with that, don't just move in. He's clearly saying the person who moved in here is yeah. the problem.
1: I, I, I accept that opinion as I as solid. Don't when you're talking about a 19 year old girl. No, I mean, I, I accept your opinion about his opinion. Oh, OK. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I, I think you're picking up what he's putting down. It's
0: especially bad because this episode portrays this as a 19-year-old girl and a 52-year-old man moving in together, which makes it seem like they met when she was 19.
1: Of legal age? Right. First of
0: all, she didn't even move in when she was 19. She was 17. But they met when she was 14 years old that's no, when she started working that, at cc's
1: this is why they shouldn't allow 14 year olds to work places because they get preyed upon like yeah this no. is why like this is horrible but i just want to come back to this this lawyer's like energy which is like awful stepdad energy specifically and the reason why i say that is because awful stepdad's yell at teenagers all the time and say if you want to be an adult when they're just not (laughs) i just think that that is the dumbest it is the dumbest thing to look at a teenager and say hey if you want to make an adult decision well he can't he's not an adult like i i don't know what to tell you like you're just appealing to the dumbest part of a teenage brain if you yell that anyway and I just, it grosses me out. It just, it's so annoying. People that want to rob children of their innocence because being an adult themselves is inconvenient at the time is the lowest form of adulthood, in my opinion. Yeah, it's
0: it's one of those things where people invoke that demand selectively. It's either- yeah. Well, you don't tell me what to do. I'm an adult. I know everything. Or you're an adult now. You should know everything. Like there it why is. Why are yeah. you making and,
1: mistakes? And, and it's, it's like, like eh, shut I, the fuck I'm up. I'm sorry your dad came home from Vietnam and never said anything to you ever again and then occasionally threw a cat at your mom or whatever. But yeah. go to therapy. Don't put that on a kid. Yeah. Not the kid's fault. So he met Sarah
0: McClinn when she was fourteen. Uh he, according to the reporting out there, and we'll link to all of this. He first asked her to move in with him when she was 16, and she finally agreed to move in when she turned 17 and graduated from high school. So Unreal. that is a really crazy thing for this episode to present differently, because it puts this story in a whole different light. I mean, just even if she was just 19, it's still pretty creepy.
1: But it's 100 percent creepy if your boss from CC's Pizza asks you to move in. That's just the sentence alone, period. I don't care if you're 40. No, <laughs> yeah. do not move in with your boss.
0: Yeah. Watch the other nine episodes of this show.
1: In fact, only a 14 year old would think moving in with your boss was going to work. There's no adult on the planet that would think that's a good idea.
0: So, yeah, this wasn't like a middle aged man just tiptoeing up to the line of creepy with someone who was of legal age, but just barely. This dude groomed her like that's what we call it
1: for years. And we don't know all of the ways he did that, by the way, in that two year period. Right. Because it's not like he waited until she turned 17 and said, hey, you're almost 18. Do you need a place to live? That did not happen.
0: No, So the next thing this episode mischaracterizes, which, by the way, we're only four minutes in to the episode (laughs) at this point. Some problems. Some problems, Adam. The next thing they tweak is Sarah's motivation for wanting to move in
1: with Harold.
0: And the same guy who blamed her for not doing a thorough background check on Harold Sasko. Bad
1: stepdad lawyer.
0: Yeah. He thinks Sarah wanted to move out of her parents' house because, quote, she didn't want to have to be beholden to anyone. Like, that was it. One of the things that barely gets mentioned in this episode is Sarah's background and things that happened to her in the past. And one thing that really doesn't get brought up is how early Harold Sasko intervened in her life. Mm -hmm. So the suggestion that... Oh, she just didn't want to have any responsibilities. Like to suggest that's why she moved in with Harold Sasko is nuts. It makes it seem like he had no effort in persuading her to move in at all.
1: This lawyer is so infuriating to me. It's so hard for me to not just talk for an hour about how this kind of guy is so dangerous. I could just go on and on because this person is actively choosing to see this man as a blameless victim in this situation. And he's the same kind of guy who probably goes out of his way to help put, put away like prostitutes and sex traffickers and leave the Johns out of it.
0: Yeah. There were so many crazy details about the trial that I think I might have left this out, but there was during this trial, a lot of questioning of whether Sarah McClinn's claims of having been abused were true. Oh, my God. And this despite the fact that she'd been hospitalized, she'd been diagnosed with PTSD. She there was a suicide attempt that happened after she met Harold Sasko, by the way. And yeah, the general vibe of not just the prosecution, but to some extent, her lawyer was, yeah, but she's probably not telling the truth about that, which, again, really big thing to leave out. What this episode is, is basically a microcosm of how her lawyer handled her defense, mm. which was yeah. to not mention the abuse or any of that that happened and just portray it as Harold Sasco doing her a favor. The prosecution throughout the whole trial referred to Harold Sasco as her benefactor, which is crazy.
1: The thing that's frustrating is that there is... This is how the trial went. This is how things went for her. And then this episode just twists the knife.
0: It does. Yeah, it's.
1: And that's the thing. It's like this. The story is frustrating enough. But for this to just kind of like take up that that version of this story and then change details that are egregious is I I can't believe it. I should know better. But man, I'm shocked.
0: It's like the prosecutors paid for a
1: sponsored episode. Of yeah fear of my roommate just because they still hate this girl so much yeah yeah and i do i should note that she does some pretty crazy shit <laughs> yeah but, i mean she's clearly not blameless no in this. no but but the but the the efforts that are gone the lengths that are gone to make this man look like a blameless victim is i i also just think from like a viewer standpoint it makes it boring this is so much more interesting to just know what kind of guy this was. Oh, yeah. Like, that's yeah, better that's, TV.
0: Yeah, that's true. This is like, a weird creative decision, too. Yeah,
1: it's like, just give me the guy. Like, this is this is two people in a really bad situation. And it's, it's something uh, I can handle. I'm an adult. And I understand that the world's a weird thing. I am watching a murder show. Thank you very much. Yeah, I'm watching murder for entertainment. Try me. Whatever you got. I'll probably
0: be able to stomach it. exactly,
1: especially considering the finale of the episode and what goes down. It's like, it's not like you hid the insanity of the actual crime in this episode. So why take out that he was a creep? Like, you know, a creep attracted to somebody who is underage and, you know, messed up. Crazy. She was crazy. There's no question there. Oh, yeah. He,
0: He did this to the wrong girl for sure.
1: Yeah, he... And guys like this always target troubled, confused young women. This guy just, whoo. There's this other thing that I think is important to touch on, which is the ecosystem. The, The mental ecosystem that this is happening in clearly is coming from this very conflicting narrative that I see really often, which is, you know, if you see this girl 14 to 16 wandering life and needing some help. The right thing to do is contact social services and try to get this girl resources and into a system where somebody is paying attention to her well-being. But people with this kind of mindset allow themselves to believe that those systems are so corrupt that this girl is better off being with me, being in my home, because those horrible government run. And and here's the thing. It's not completely wrong. Yes, of course, children are abused and neglected in these systems, but hello (laughs) at least nobody's you know giving her a a credit card to get plastic surgery which we're about to get to that would never have happened to her if she had just been in the custody of the state frankly like which is obviously what this girl needed she needed mental help like major mental help yeah for sure and it's Again, but it's that's not- how, but I'm just, but that's, I'm sorry. I'm coming back to how the rationalization works, yeah. which is, oh, she is better. That's where it starts with these creeps. I am the best thing that's ever happened to this person. Yeah. And that is the energy that is given to this person who's never been really taken care of by anybody else. It's hard to say no to that when you haven't gotten it yet, especially as a young girl. Yeah.
0: So one of the other things that they really play fast and loose with in this episode, there's some math that they leave out that I think is really important. One of the people they interview is Kimberly Qualls, who was dating Harold Sasco shortly before he was murdered.
1: Emotionally hobbled woman. Good God.
0: Yeah, this is confusing. I don't know
1: what to make of Kimberly Qualls. Kimberly, I know exactly what to make of, I can see her cubicle. I'll say that. I know exactly what this woman's cubicle looks like. It's got like a live, laugh, love, and it's got the footprints in the sand poem, and she's in medical billing. That's her vibe.
0: No, I don't remember (laughs) what it is, but it's mentioned in a couple of these articles. She's got a pretty prominent job in the Kansas City area. I think it's a government job.
1: Okay, fine. But that cubicle I'm right about. Probably. Oh, yeah. Yeah. The aesthetics, 100%.
0: It's just like just her defense a, of this guy is a, confusing.
1: A, a, a sad, wounded Maxinista, this lady. Yeah, I don't know. But here, here's the math. He, he clearly attracted women that have, as my my grandmother would say, a bad picker.
0: Yeah, or self-esteem you know. issues. So here, here's the math that they don't do. She says in the episode that they'd been dating for six months oh. when... Sarah moved in and we'll link to an interview where she says they dated for eight months total. That means it took Harold Sasco a full two months at best to break up with his girlfriend after moving a 17 year old girl into his house. Here's the thing. She moved in upon graduating from high school at the age of 17. High school graduations tend to happen Late May, early June at best? Roughly, sure. So assuming she moved in late May or early June, guess what also happens a month or two after she moves in, listeners? Uh,
1: I can't guess. You gotta tell me.
0: She turns 18, right around the same time he would have broken up with his girlfriend. And- Uh. The episode even makes it pretty clear that this is the point where Harold Sasko starts making moves on Sarah McClendon, which again, huge mischaracterization of how that actually went.
1: Yeah. Because the girl, the ex-girlfriend, we should say, like, if you watch the episode, I, this goes without saying, but she really wants people to think this was a nice guy. Yeah.
0: And I don't understand why
1: the only thing i can think is that he was lying to her she willingly believed it she for whatever reason didn't see any red flags in what was happening he broke up with her what happens happens and then this woman just completely ignores the details of the trial and she literally doesn't know most of this which is possible that's the only thing i can think of because no woman wants to go on national television and say hello my name is so and so i have this really awesome cubicle with some kathy comics cut out and I dated a pedophile. (laughs) Like, like I I don't think if she really thought that about him, she would say these things.
0: Yeah, I sure hope not. Because the the way this episode portrays him hitting on her is that it was a one time thing where he was just drunk and sad and tried to kiss her. And Kimberly Qualls, the girlfriend, jumps in and is like, well, he would have felt really bad for making that mistake and for doing what he did. And he would have tried to make. And it's like, that is not what happened. Like there was listen, so much more to abusers, it than
1: that. abusers get away with a lot and people around them just refuse. Here's the thing, Adam. This is what I love about you, man. You've got great instincts about people. And the older I get, the more I have to realize that a lot of people have bad instincts about people. <laughs> like oh, for just, sure, yeah. And they just, they choose to look the other way. And, you know, I think the girlfriend for sure is this. The sister just seems maniacal and strange.
0: Yeah, the sister's then, being a sister. Like, she's being yeah, fam. She's really being family.
1: Like The lawyer is inexcusable.
0: Like, if That's, that family sold season tickets, she would be a season ticket holder. She is uh-huh. loyal yeah, to that family.
1: She's in. She she refuses to see these things about her brother. And I wouldn't be surprised if she didn't go to the trial. And that's because, also
0: the reason why you can take what she says with a grain of salt, because she's not yes, an objective observer.
1: She's not. And I think that the thing that people don't realize, especially people that are into true crime, is a lot of people, when their family member is on trial, they don't go to or, or the family member is the victim or whatever, they don't go to the trial. They don't go and yeah, they don't hear any of this. And they do this to be able to preserve whatever image they have in their mind about this individual. I'm not like that. I would want to know what went down 100%. Yeah, it depends.
0: It depends on the crime. Yeah. And like – it's it's a thing that could I, I could see easily kind of re-traumatizing a person.
1: Well, especially in the way that it goes down. Because yeah. again, I'm not trying to minimize what this girl did to this man, ultimately. No, she
0: committed a crime. She it's, committed it's, a heinous crime. It's
1: a Glenn Close 80s movie death.
0: And there are some suggestions about how and why it went down that make Sarah McClinn seem like even more of a victim. But even then... You fucking cut the guy's throat. like. Well, then there's the rabbit. The rabbit, yeah.
1: The rabbit is bad, time, Adam.
0: How much time does she get for the rabbit? That's what really fucked Zero.
1: Me. These guys are not animal lovers. I can tell you that. If you're yelling at a 14-year-old, be an adult and figure out the full background of your weird adult roommate, this is not an animal rights guy. This and here's not.
0: Here's the thing, listeners. We are approximately, after editing, I'm going to guess and say about 35 minutes into this episode. Yeah. We are five minutes into this episode (laughs) of Fear Thy Roommate. Yeah, yeah. All of this comes up five minutes in.
1: That's how many lies happen in the first five minutes of this episode.
0: And then, boy, do they get to a big one after that, which is the part where Harold Sasko gifts Sarah McClendon a nose job. And that this episode even tries to pass this off as a normal thing that any christian man who's just worried about the well-being of a teen would do is nuts and that's if even if it was just a nose job
1: this this was the moment when i was watching it where i went uh no there's a lot here we're not being told that's that's the second i knew i was like no and speaking of
0: everything we've mentioned up to this point, including poor creative decisions. I hope everyone listening to this is sitting down because what they leave out about him gifting her a nose job. He also gifted her butt implants.
1: Ugh.
0: How is that not in the fucking episode? Cause that's not conjecture. You can't fake that someone made you get butt implants. So how does that not come up? That makes this Clearly, something way different than Harold Sasco was her benefactor.
1: it also makes it impossible for me to believe that they weren't sexually involved prior to this surgery it's just i i i don't there is no platonic butt lift gifting it doesn't happen
0: no, no, and that comes up in the, yes, the it does. reporting on this. He also wanted her to get her boobs done, but a doctor said she was too young. So both of those things, for some reason, deemed not important enough to be in this episode of Fear Thy Roommate.
1: I can't imagine how weird a woman's body would look if she got butt implants at 18. Seriously, because you're not done. Yeah, I was going to say, are are you done growing then? No, you are not done baking. In fact, the human brain the female brain i think doesn't stop developing until you're until you turn 26 i mean so you've got all sorts of stuff going on in your body until then and your ass at 18 doesn't even look the same at 20 it It just doesn't make it's horrible it's a horrible 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 thing to do to a young girl that's awful but honestly i have less of a problem with breast implants than i do with ass implants at that age and i i don't know why but i just do Coming from a man, it's creepy anyway. But you know what, again, I came from Orange County and I think three girls I graduated with as a graduation gift were given breast implants by their parents. Just It's also just the age. Like, I don't... Well, yeah. I just don't understand that age person wanting ass implants. Caitlin, maybe this
0: will change your mind. Ah, uh, okay, go ahead. I left the detail out. He mm. told her she needed all of this because one, no man would find her attractive because her breasts were not big enough and her butt was not big enough. And also he wanted her to be his perfect curvy Barbie. So do how? you feel a little better about Harold Sascos motivations knowing all that?
1: Honestly, the story is what it is. It's very sad and very horrible. I want to come back to the fact that what is the most disturbing is how the story was portrayed at this point. That's the whole point of this episode. And that is the thing that is blowing my mind right now because this guy is psycho.
0: Clearly.
1: Like, that's a psychotic, like, I want to mold you into my perfect woman kind of thing. That's, that's, if this man hadn't have been murdered, this was not going in a good direction anyway. Yeah, he was probably going to murder her. Something. Once you get into the neighborhood of wanting to turn people into different shapes, you're a crazy person. And not just that,
0: but the episode even confirms that He didn't pay for it. He used the credit card that he got in her name, basically co-signed for. He used that credit card to pay for these procedures and then went back to her and was like, well, you owe me all this money now or I'm going to sue you. So that the episode even says he paid for this is bonkers because they contradict that a couple seconds later when they say that he presented her with a bill for it and was like, you owe me.
1: So how did he pay for it? Well, and that was the confusing part in the episode. We went back and forth about that. We were like, "What's so it, he paid for it? So how does he have any leverage?" It's just worse than we thought.
0: Not just that, but they don't just uh, contradict themselves and leave it at that. There are here's here's some quotes from the episode. One, they say that he did it to quote bolster her self esteem, oh just God. just lend in a hand, and they actually say. It's a small gesture on Harold's part. It's like, what the fuck is happening here? How is n- none of this other shit coming up?
1: I feel like i they wanted me to move in with the CC's franchisee owner. I was being gaslit into yeah, it's like a like leaving dating... my husband and going to find a good Christian man.
0: Yeah, this is dating profile levels of truth, basically. <laughs> Like, this is, yeah, this is, someone's trying to marry Harold Sasco off with this episode. In the
1: afterlife.
0: Yeah. Do you have a troubled teen? <laughs> Maybe she should meet Harold Sasco.
1: Cece's home for girls.
0: <laughs>
1: Sorry, Cece's.
0: Oh, Cece's, have better pizza.
1: You know, Cece's, if you want to go into business with someone, you should do a full background check. Exactly. Exactly. Being a adult be an adult cc stop spraying your pizza with water stop it
0: scrape that mac and cheese into a bowl put some real toppings on that pizza
1: just serve a goddamn pepperoni pizza like an adult cc's fuck
0: don't be an asshole Assholes. How
1: often do I have to come home from work and find you putting weird shit on a pizza?
0: There's got to be one person listening to this who's like, "Oh man, I really like CC's." Way maybe, more than one. Maybe there are CC's locations that are better than others. I'll allow that, but I'm not going to allow that Harold Saskos was a good one. His sucked. no, he was a monster.
1: I don't know, Adam. I don't know that. The, I think. Listen, I think the better way to look at this is, hey guys, we all have a shameful food that we love. Okay. We we yes. all have that, okay, and that's fine. This is just yours.
0: Yeah, if yours is CeCe's, so be it. I think you're that's a crazy it. person, but and so maybe be
1: it. maybe get like a high colonic or something, clear that sucker out because that's that's the stuff that latches on and makes you sick. Kids, I don't know what to tell you.
0: I mean, if you're one of those people who grew up in a small town and uh, has never left, and the only pizza in town is CeCe's and it's all you've ever eaten, I still don't understand why.
1: No, because there's got to be a grocery store.
0: But yeah, you gotta, you gotta fucking get on a plane or something. You gotta
1: get no. What you gotta get is an oven pizza because oven pizzas are the best pizzas. Period. I'm sorry, it's just a truth. Get yourself a screaming Sicilian. That oh is, my god, Adam! I we're serving that at our restaurant. Oh shit! Top that is
0: notch frozen pizza right there. It's
1: just top notch pizza. Period.
0: It's so good.
1: So it's good. So good. And I okay, so I had I had to talk with my husband about this because he knows if he comes home and finds me eating uh oven pizza, I've had a bad day because that's just how I self-medicate. Because that screaming sicilian pizza will pull you out of any any rainy day. Okay. It's, it's that, so good. It's so freaking good. The pepperonis like it's the cup and it's like perfect.
0: Frozen pizza has been perfected. And it, oh, and it has screaming
1: been screaming sicilian. sicilian. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: And uh, use use code un at the yeah. cash register to save more than 11%. More than
1: 11%, Off yeah.
0: your and Sicilian. Also, if you do that, send us a video. Please send us a video. <laughs> <laughs> oh, guys, that would be great. So the next thing that comes up in this episode, or not, it's not, like, we're not going in chronological order, but the next thing that they really mischaracterize is the money she owed Harold. This is... A quote from that uh, ridiculous girlfriend of his, even though Harold had a truly giving heart, he also had his boundaries. He stood his ground. Imagine saying that about a man who paid for butt implants for his underage roommate. He had boundaries. What were they? What boundaries? That's it. That's the boundary. I mean, he's not going to murder the girl. What else? And here's the thing. It sounds crazy to say, well, he wasn't going to murder her. What else would she have to worry about? That's kind of how it goes in her trial.
1: That's how it goes for a lot of women in abusive situations. (laughs) Yeah. That finally just can't take it anymore. I think that the thing that bothers me to just kind of pull it back to the way it's portrayed, the way the episode rolls out, he's like writing things down on one of those pads of paper realtors leave behind. Like he's and he's adding up all of the money for things like toilet paper and paper towels and coffee and stuff like that just that right there. If you slice out that trait alone, you have somebody with like a borderline personality disorder because he is inviting someone into their home saying, Oh, what's mine is yours. And then one day the bill shows up. Yeah. I feel like all of us have experienced something like this in a friendship or romantic partnership at one point in our lives, which is somebody who overgives and then the only way they psychologically live through their day is if they're the victim of the people that they're supporting. And that right there alone is a bad roommate situation and could lead yeah. to murder on its own. And it was a trap.
0: Like he set yes. a trap for this girl. And another thing they leave out of this episode is that a thing that started happening shortly before he started telling her she owed him all this money and like literally leaving out tabs for her to find that showed a list of the money she owed him right before that. And again, we'll link to all of the articles, read them for yourself. It is alleged that he started pressuring her to make this relationship a sexual relationship and again, the episode doesn't mention that and doesn't mention that it happened right around the time he broke up with his girlfriend.
1: so no, in fact they they position his one romantic advance as a drunken fumbling mistake. yes and by the way, that alone isn't appropriate. Thanks very much. yes <laughs> like that alone is a problem
0: now people at home picture. That you are an impressionable young, still 17 or still 18 year old at this point. And this guy that has moved you into his home starts pressuring you for sex. And up to that point, you've just been roommates. You get to use the toothpaste with uh, impunity, things like that.
1: You get free butt implants that you thought
0: were free, but really they're actually
1: yours. And then
0: all of a sudden... This guy that's been so nice to you starts pressuring you for sex, and then you say no, and next thing you know, you're getting a bill for all the money that you owe. What would you take the implication to be? (gasps) It would be that you have sex with him, or he's going to, at the very least, ruin you financially by taking you to court, or he'll kick you out. Like, any number of threats that he can hold over her head now, in the name of forcing her to have sex with him
1: what's sad is now that she's 18 she has less resources and 18 you're still a fucking kid man like it's so sad but he really does have her at that point because at any other point prior to that he could have gotten her if he actually cared about her which he didn't No. connected to resources that that could help her get on her feet but now this guy basically financially crippled her before she ever had a chance to go live a life
0: Right. Or at least that's what he was threatening to do.
1: Well, he he clearly made her feel that way and was successful at that.
0: Yeah. Well, the other thing they leave out is that she does finally give in and they start having a sexual relationship. But when she's interviewed about it, she's like, one, I kind of felt like I had to because I owed him all this money and uh, he could kick me out. But also they make his one attempt to hit on her in this episode seem like he got drunk and sad and tried to initiate a romance.
1: Kissing her, not fucking her.
0: Right. And what actually happened, according to her, is that he would ply her with alcohol, with ecstasy, with cocaine, all sorts of drugs, and she would basically wait until she was high and drunk enough to not really resist anymore. How do you leave that out? Like, how does that even... Like, this is basically... Like, I'm trying to think of what the the thinking behind this episode would have been. And maybe, well, that's not what was presented in court. Like, that's her version of the story. Well, where the fuck is his version of the story coming from? Like, these people weren't there. Like, no one was in the room when this was happening. So you're just taking other people's story over hers. And leaving that out of this episode is gross. It yeah. is disgusting. I hate it. What so year much. did this episode come out? I think you this know? is a 2021 show. It's very like there's only one season. Really? Yeah, yeah. That's even worse. It's either because, 2020 or 2021. Okay. It's very because
1: I, I guess a part of me somewhere was holding out hope that this was just a bygone era of true crime television. But oh yeah,
0: from like those Maxim heydays when yes, it yeah. was when, it was culturally appropriate to blame women for that's any what I'm misfortune. saying. Yeah, exactly. It's like them. No. Well, at
1: least it would have been a convention of its time, but... now nah, okay. this was
0: deep into the Me Too movement.
1: Oh my God. Years, years.
0: So yeah, one of the other interviews that not only didn't come up in this episode or one of the claims about Harold Sasco, but I, do, I also don't think the jury got to hear it in the trial, a guy named Terry David, who used to manage one of Harold Sasco's CeCe's restaurants claimed that at one point Harold Sasco told him to, quote, only hire young, attractive girls. And he described Harold Sasco as a wolf in sheep's clothing. He also claims the first thing he told his wife upon hearing Harold Sasco was murdered was, I wonder which one of those girls' dads went over there and killed him. How does that not come up? How does it hey, not
1: come up? Like, that is. And, uh, and then. I'm sorry. I'm just kind of. It just. It's very it's just bizarre to me that this this episode is this episode. It's very hard for me to wrap my mind around. And to to give you a
0: little juxtaposition with this episode, that's a quote from Terry David. Meanwhile, here's a quote from local reporter Ariana Cohen, who is the fucking worst. I mean, here's a girl freeloading, wanting a free place to live and all this stuff. Like, you're a reporter. You have to have looked into this more than that. I will. I'm going to repeat her name so people can go look into some actual reporting. Melinda Henneberger, where was she interviewed in this? Huge CC's fan. Yeah, like... Uh, who? No, Melinda Henneberger no, no. is the good. Mal- I'm sorry, the other side one. of things. Yeah, Ariana Cohen one. definitely eats it, Cece's. But she's got a shirt. Like, I don't understand how you're a reporter and you bring that take to this episode.
1: That's just the world we live in right now. Like,
0: like this is why I don't watch the news. They clearly wanted to build an episode completely around people who defended Harold Sasco and mm-hmm. who thought he was what the prosecution said he was, which was her benefactor.
1: If you think Harold Sasco is a good person, knowing all of these things, then you're a bad person. Yeah, you can't at the very you're least. You're just a bad person. I, I don't know what else to tell. Like, I, You can't I just, hear the
0: butt implants thing and be like, oh yeah, that's perfectly normal.
1: Or plying her with drugs so she would have sex with him. or Oh, I mean, don't get I, me wrong.
0: There's a litany of red no, flags. But the, I'm with
1: you with the butt implants. That's like, we're- where are you hiding this in your in your yeah. subconscious that where this is making sense? Like,
0: yeah, that's where the elite and QAnon both get up and walk out of the room and discuss yeah. like that should bridge <laughs> all gaps and divides when you hear, oh, he got this 17 year old butt implants. The room should explode. I'm in done. Angle.
1: I don't know what to tell you. Sorry. And, and
0: if you're the person sitting in that room with your arms folded you deserve whatever's coming next but the and thing i hope is, it's bad there,
1: there is just a large swath of americans both men and women who believe that women should be exactly what men want them to be and they get angry when they are told that that's not okay anymore yeah and frankly their anger is the echoes of centuries so <laughs> we've got we got a long way to go in this fight but the fact that we can be here and record this, I guess, is a good sign. I cannot reconcile the silhouette of the man from the episode that we watched and what the facts of the story are. It's egregious. It it's is really, really weird.
0: I don't think this about a lot of things when it comes to uh, art, I guess, or creative content, but this shit should be taken down. Like this yeah. episode should be deleted from existence. It is a travesty against this girl. The only thing it comes close to getting right is the details of the murder. Of course. Of course. Because the murder, it's like, it's not like she shot the dude in the chest and no, this ran was...
1: out of the room. She put some thought into this. and No, she woke up one day and was like, today's the day I murder Harold Sasco."
0: Yeah, and... It was clearly premeditated like she she thought it out like uh, so. The of, dinner party. Of, <laughs> of course, she deserves some, some blame for this. Yes, and some jail time absolutely. For That's it. fine. But when yeah. you take all the other details into account, the jail time she gets even seems crazy.
1: I also think that, you know, people are very uncomfortable with the reality of how close literally anyone is to snapping. Most oh, yeah. murder, most murderers never thought they would be a murderer. There's only a handful of individuals who fantasize about murdering other people from a very young age. Most people who murder other people are generally, generally pretty surprised about what they've done after the fact. Yeah. And it's, you know, this wasn't that, uh, no,
0: this was clearly a premeditated murder. She, she clearly deserved punishment for it, but, uh, One of the things they do get wrong or that they don't mention, and I only bring it up because it's kind of a smart move. If you're trying to commit a murder of this nature, she didn't drug his first beer. She drugged his fourth beer. Yeah, that's so by that point, he was going to be a little too like not hammered, but a little buzzed and probably wasn't going to notice if it tasted a little different.
1: It also speaks to how much he drank because she knew a fourth beer was coming.
0: Yes. You and, know what I'm
1: saying? Like it, if I'm if I'm drinking a glass of wine on a weeknight, that's one thing. But if I'm on glass four on a Tuesday. Yeah. I'm sorry if this offends anybody out there, but you probably should not drink that much. <laughs>
0: like, it's yeah, not I mean, good for you. like, Ask any doctor, if nothing else, tell them you drink four beers a night. They're going to gasp and probably call a hospital. Like, yeah.
1: It's, it's a lot good. of drinking. Like I've it's been there. I've drank too much. Me too. A lot How you, in my life. I used to host a podcast where I did it. On the podcast. Oof. So I total, but you know what? I can't do it anymore. And if you're Harold Sasco and you're 52 and you're drinking four beers a night, you're an alcoholic on top of everything else. So she knew a fourth beer was on the way and was able to plan for it. That's how much he drank.
0: Right. So they do get, but they get most of the murder details. Right. Of course.
1: Let's... Yeah. But even that they try to make him look better. Oh, for sure. For sure. Like even that it's so frustrating.
0: Yeah, they make it seem like she murdered him for trying to hit on her one time. Like that was the only thing at play was that he hit on her once and she savagely murdered him for it. And no, he was. Which is the most
1: upsetting narrative to perpetuate in today's society. It's not okay. And
0: also one thing we haven't mentioned this episode by starting it with the claim that she was 19 when they met, they make it seem like all of this happened in a really short amount of time. But again, yeah. she moved in when she was 17. She murdered him when she was 19. He, he, kicked, he broke up with the girlfriend after two months. So
1: Met her when she was 14 years right. old. Ugh.
0: And so all of this stuff that comes out afterward that he was doing to this girl, this was carrying on for more than a year. Like, this episode makes it seem like she just snapped in a really short amount of time. Yeah. She was being abused for a while. And then she snapped. And then she snapped. And another thing that doesn't come up in the episode, let's talk about uh, a pretty big one. He had a history of doing this. This is a quote from his goddamn girlfriend in one of the articles out there. Well, I don't remember which one. There's a lot of articles that we're going to link to. This is a quote from her. He did that with other attractive young women, too. He would go to their graduations, their birthdays. He was a friend. And there was no, trust me, I would have seen it if there was anything going on. And it's like, okay, woman who dated him for eight months. She had a precious moments
1: collection. That much, I know.
0: And is she not even suspect of why it was only attractive young women?
1: I don't think this woman is self-aware, Adam. I, I, you know, it's, it's just, she's, she's a little, she's a broken person. I think it's not, you know, this is how these things happen is they people like Harold surround themselves with morons and they get away with everything and they abusive people. There's a reason why, if you've ever been in a, in a relationship with an abusive person, All your good friends are suddenly gone because they alienate themselves from people with critical thinking skills.
0: Here's a question.
1: Yep. What are the
0: chances he started dating this woman as a cover to move Sarah into his house? Listen,
1: child molesters, which is what this guy is basically, not basically, is, um, are married. They have full-blown lives and they... Put all of that together so they can do their weird shit in the dark, which is why, frankly, I'm not surprised she didn't know, because if they're not living together, right? And he is, I guess, a charmer on some level because abusers usually are, you know, I think we want to believe that these are like, you know, obvious creeps. But the truth is, is people that get away with like long, like play long games with people, they do it. They're good at it. It's a scary thought, but it is what it is. She is just one of these people that was just a cover for him. And yeah, she she got dumped when she this girl turned 18. And he knew that if he screwed this girl, he wasn't going to go to jail just for screwing her. And it would be her word against his. Right. That's all this is. And
0: to have just moved her in out of the blue the second she turns almost 18, that would have looked really suspect. But having a girlfriend there to be like, no, I signed off on all of this. It's fine.
1: I helped paint her room and make it look pretty.
0: Ugh! So that all gets left out of the episode that Harold had done this before and also left out is that when he first moved her in, he demanded that she tell people he was her stepfather. And he told people (laughs) that she was his daughter, which why the secrecy if you're just a man with a heart of gold helping out a teen and the whole community knows it. They all know how good of a man was
1: everybody knew this guy was a creep, except for the morons that he kept in constant communication with. Yeah. That's how these people operate. That's how abusers operate. It just is what it is. It's sad and scary, but it's true.
0: Another thing that doesn't really come up in this episode is her trial, which,
1: Oh, it does. It definitely not. No, it's, it's, it's as misrepresented as everything else.
0: Her trial was a travesty, and her lawyer was a nightmare. He's interviewed in this. And despite all of this evidence that comes out before the trial, that Harold Sasko had actually been abusing her in several ways, and knowing how young he met her and all of these things, instead of her lawyer going for a battered woman defense, he went with a multiple personalities defense.
1: Which is impossible to, like, one of the hardest things to prove. There's a really great Edward Norton movie about it. (laughs) Yes, it is
0: a very difficult defense. Yes. And it was based, at least in part, probably entirely, on the fact that in her statement to police, Sarah mentioned that she and Harold came up with aliases that they wanted to use when they inevitably ran away together. She wanted to be called Vanessa. He wanted to be called Scott. And from there, her lawyer runs with this idea that she had multiple personalities.
1: Which leaves me with two options. One, this guy is tanking her on purpose and just doesn't care. Or two, he's a criminal defense public attorney that doesn't know the difference between an alias and a full-blown personality disorder. And either way, this guy should not be working.
0: No. And he was an expensive lawyer. It's not like she just got some shitty public defender, like they paid, I think something like $40,000 in total for this guy. Like he advertises himself as this rock star lawyer who never loses. And he was so confident that this multiple personality defense was going to work that when the prosecution came to them with a plea agreement, which was 25 years, like a hard 25 years, then you're eligible for parole, which... Given the type of murder she committed, like, again, she snapped, but it wasn't like a heat of the moment thing. Like she planned this out and made it intentionally very elaborate and painful. Like 25 years ain't bad. Like I guarantee you. She deserves
1: 20. No, she deserves 25 years at least. I'm sorry. Like there's also, I have more to say about this, but she's not innocent. She did the thing. It is what it is. She
0: 100% did the thing. Yeah. So she, she passes on this plea agreement because the lawyer basically assured her that they were going to win. And at one point, a family friend of Sarah McLenn's, who was also a lawyer, asked her lawyer why he wasn't pursuing a battered women syndrome defense. And his reply was, battered women don't leave. And she left. Also, in a ruling on the case... The state wrote that no one ever testified that McClendon was in mortal fear of Sasco. Just that, quote, the only threat at issue is the continual financial and sexual abuse at his hands. Just that. So aside from being repeatedly raped and held financially hostage, she had nothing else to worry about.
1: Sounds like a lot of marriages in the United States.
0: Yeah, like what, what's the problem? Also, the jury was never allowed to hear testimony from a woman named Ann Tao. She met Harold Sasko when her kids were working at one of his restaurants and he hired them so young that their shifts had to be really short. So she would sit in the parking lot while they were at work. I'm sure that's the only reason she stayed at this place while it's a good mom. they were working with Harold she, Sasko. She
1: knew what was up.
0: And during these times, Harold Sasco would come hang out in her car and lay all of his problems on this woman. And here's a quote. He wanted to die. He was Catholic, <laughs> so he didn't believe in suicide. But he asked me if I would kill him. He told me how to kill him. And I'm convinced he told Sarah the same thing. He was a very sick person. The jury should have heard how he was messed up and that this was the environment Sarah was part of. I'm an adult woman with five children, high functioning, and he weighed me down just listening to him.
1: There you go, ladies and gentlemen.
0: And that sounds really crazy that this murder, at least in part, would have happened because Harold Sasco was like, "Will you just get me drunk and kill me like I fucking hate my life. But here's another quote from Harold Sasco's brother. And this was a pre-sentencing statement that the jury was also not allowed to hear. If I were a lawyer, I would have tried it exactly opposite of what he's trying it. I thought it's a crime of passion. That Hal had his issues, and she thought she was doing him a favor. I feel that way. I don't know whether it's true. That's just the way it's felt to me. So, what Ann Tao is saying isn't that crazy. And I, again, she gets jail time for that, obviously. Yes. The 25 years is justified. But like that's it,
1: not the point of this episode, Adam. Right. We are here to say that the way this man is portrayed is egregiously inaccurate. Yes. Period. That's it. That's all we're saying. We're not here being like, hey, this girl was, like, should just be walking around. Nobody should be keeping an eye on her. Like, again, we're going to get to the murder because we haven't exactly said it yet. And again, if this is your first episode, I'm sorry. But that's not the point of what we're saying. Right. We are saying that this man was portrayed as basically a missionary in this episode. And in the trial. And in the trial. And her
0: lawyer, again, did her no favors. This is a crazy ass quote. On top of the battered women don't leave thing. Her lawyer went in front of the press and said this. I'm as perplexed as I have been in a long time. What got my client to that day and why she did what she did. I'm having trouble wrapping my brain around it. And that all comes down to him not believing that she was being abused. Like when he's saying she left and battered women don't leave. Well, for one thing, she didn't leave. She murdered the guy and then left. She fled. Right. Very different. But also what he's that's basically code for him saying, I don't believe she was abused. I believe she. Well,
1: also battered women don't leave. Do you I'm sorry, sir. Do you have firsthand knowledge of this? Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. Tell me tell me about your relationship with your mother. (laughs) Like, uh, let's 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 do a deep dive on this guy's personal life. I would love that. That would be cool. And again, a thing we mentioned earlier,
0: the D.A. also questioned whether her claims of having been abused as a child, which I read one account of it that I will not even fucking (laughs) restate. Yeah.
1: No, on this, this episode, it is men like brutal. this brutal find girls that have been ravaged by their life on right, purpose.
0: Right. And the DA questioned whether all of that was true, even though she was treated for trauma nightmares at the age of thirteen. She told doctor about flashbacks at the age of fourteen, was hospitalized and diagnosed with PTSD following a suicide attempt when she was sixteen. And again, the Biggest thing the show leaves out is that Harold Sasco started all of his attempts to woo this girl when she was 14. So he was there for all of that shit. And at this point in Sarah McClendon's life, she wasn't speaking to her dad because her mom and dad had just divorced. She wasn't speaking to her dad. She was still living with her mom, so
1: they had to talk, but it Listen, wasn't civil. There's, there's always a good reason when a kid is not speaking to their parent, period. Right. Kids will always try to see the best in their parent unless they can't. But I don't
0: know that in this case it's because of the parent. I don't think her mom is the problem here. No, that's what I'm saying. As her mom mentions, Harold Sasko was there right when all that started. So she would confide in him about everything that was happening with her parents and everything that was happening in her personal life. And he's just like keeping a tally of, ways to exploit her over this
1: No, and that's what these people do i've said it so many times this episode i'm sorry but it's like the pattern of abuse here is so obvious and to paint this man as helping her out and not playing a long game of grooming her and being a predator himself is un- it's inexcusable i i i can't believe it it's shocking yeah it really is
0: Another wild detail about her trial, speaking of people who are too young to make responsible adult decisions, the foreman of the jury in her trial that eventually sentenced Sarah McClinn to a hard 50-year sentence was 18 years old, which, again, I get that that's fine according to the letter of the law, but it doesn't feel fine. Like, if you can't make a proper decision about whether to drink alcohol or not, how are you having people's lives in your hand? And here's how. This is a quote from Brandon Wingert explaining how he ended up as an 18-year-old jury foreman on a first-degree murder case. No one else said anything, so I put my hand up. That's it.
1: That's that's how it goes. And with
0: that, you have an 18-year-old kid deciding your fate. And his opinion at the time was that all that matters is did you do the crime? And that's it. Did you do it? Yeah. Were you abused? Doesn't matter. Whatever mitigating circumstances there were, that doesn't matter. And that's true in some respect because you do have – there has to be punishment of some sort. Of course. But that's why mitigating factors are presented in court because when it comes to sentencing, you can be like, oh, yeah, you did it. But it's not like first-degree murder. It should be something – And none of that happened. They were just like, yep, she did it. Whatever the maximum charges are, let's go with that.
1: Yeah. And they used that same brilliant, magnificent, magnificent, elegant ability to make these decisions when they text in their vote for the voice.
0: Yes, exactly. This is a quote from Brandon Winger. I was definitely of the mindset that you do the crime, you do the time. Evidence is there. Done. I was like, what's the holdup? He also said this. One gentleman who had my mental outlook to the extreme, guilty, was just kind of relaxing and waiting. Like, I'm just here to push the red button. A few jurors had a more, I would say, of today's thought process.
1: Yeah, it's great. Well spoken.
0: And thought maybe she was in some sort of horrible circumstance that wasn't presented to us. But people on my side of it, we just viewed it as our job was to determine one thing and only one thing. Was the crime done? Yes. Then you say guilty. And he also added one more thing. I've grown some humanity since then. So even the jury foreman now is like, yeah, she got a raw deal. That's pretty fucked up. He also said the word rape literally did not come up once in the trial.
1: No, because this was 2014. I'm telling you, like, the case was 2014. So... I, I cannot emphasize enough how much the world has changed since then. It's a weird thing to say. but yeah well
0: especially in regards to stuff like this.
1: Yeah, yeah, I mean we're talking what is this like two years before me too?
0: Yeah, two or three years me too is like 2017 mm-hmm. ish. Mm-hmm. So yeah the the problem is this trial didn't happen in 2017 <laughs> or 2018 nope. happened in 2014 and she is pretty much irrevocably fucked. There is sort of a happy twist ending in that she did go back to court and it was decided that, yes, she got shitty representation first time around. Her lawyer failed her. So they resentenced her to 25 years. So she did basically get the same deal that she would have gotten if she took that plea deal. Problem is, for one thing, she had to waive most of her rights to any future appeals. She won't be granted a new trial. And as part of her agreement with prosecutors, she also dropped her claim that her attorney should have pursued a battered woman syndrome defense. So she basically, to get this deal, had to say, yeah, he's right. I wasn't a battered woman.
1: That's so horrible. So yeah. I fin- wonder why they left that part out.
0: Yeah. Yeah. So if you were hoping Harold Sasco would be outed in court as an abuser at some point, that ship has sailed.
1: Good thing we've got a podcast, though, Adam. Woo-hoo! Right. Exactly. Yay.
0: And even with all this, there is still no guarantee that she'll be released after 25 years, which she was so young. Like she's, she would still be, I think, in her 30s if she was released then, maybe early okay. 40s.
1: But I think I think we should talk about the murder, though. But I, I just want
0: to add one more thing. It's oh, sure. likely she's not going to get out after 25 years, because she's just eligible for parole. After 25 years, that parole could very easily be denied. And even if it's granted, let's say you're the person wrongly accused of killing Bobby Kennedy, the governor of California could step in and go, nope, you're still supposed to be in prison. Anyway, what do we want to say about this murder?
1: Uh, I want to say what, how she murdered him because- If this is somebody's first episode, we have not talked about that. Right. (laughs) And I feel like that's kind of important. Um, So she, on beer four, not beer one, the way this is portrayed, I believe it was, did she stab him or was it a a slice? I can't remember. She almost decapitated him. Yeah, that's right. Once he passed
0: out, she basically grabbed him by the hair and went at him with a very big knife.
1: A really, really big knife. And I think the night before, she she killed and cooked her pet rabbit.
0: Yeah, if you look into it, she actually cooked and killed a few rabbits. <laughs> That's one thing this episode left out trying to make her look better. She had a penchant for rabbit slaying.
1: So she's got some stuff to work out and right. uh, definitely did this thing. I just wanted to bring it up. I feel like it's important because she still did this. And it was. Yeah, she a, did it. She snapped in the most textbook way a person can snap which is i'm going to uh, oh i'm going to kill him and then once she got going she was like oh this is this is i'm doing this i'm going all the way and almost cut his head off and i i'm just saying this a lot of people come from horrific abuse past and they never do anything like this but she was put in a pressure cooker with this guy And it's just it wasn't it was not going to end well. It was like an instapot to murder like and it's she was fast tracked.
0: It is a travesty that that wasn't presented as part of her defense. And it is a fucking travesty that it's not presented in this episode of Fear Thy Roommate, which can go right to fucking hell.
1: It's not even that it's not presented. It's that there are lies in it. Like it's 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 an actual it's not it's worse than the trial. Because the trial just left shit out. Right. And then people were able to play their weird circus games with how they saw Harold. This is just a lie. Yeah, it's nuts. It's crazy. So uh, if you want to
0: if you want to try it out for yourselves at home, we (laughs) will uh, link to all of these articles that all this information came from. Read them for yourself. Do your own research, you know, like you did when you got vaccinated. And then watch this episode of Fear Thy Roommate and decide for yourself if they handled this story appropriately or if they should be fired forever and banished from the television At the, the, the industry. The risk
1: of just being repetitive. I just want to say something very clearly. You know, these shows can only say what's in. I mean, the, the way to do this is: look, we're just going to go by what the court records say, which is fine. Like you get you you, you issue a FOIA you leave some of this colorful shit out. You can't interview this one lady because she wasn't on record, blah, blah, blah. Fine, 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 fine. But that's not what they did. They literally changed facts. And I'm with you, Adam, with the, the, it's one thing to talk about the nose job. The butt implants though is like, oh, you are you are on a fast track to, to Creepy Town. Like yeah. anybody hearing that is like, mm, something else is going on here. And that was changed to make the episode- More palatable, which is insane to me. Yeah.
0: Leaving that out and intentionally misrepresenting when she moved in with him and when they met. It's not okay. They make it seem like they met when she was nineteen and now they had
1: Yeah, and we've both watched this episode twice. Yes. So which I don't think I've ever done with a true crime episode unless I've enjoyed it. I don't know another way to say that. But but yeah, some, some of these are d- really done well or whatever. But, you know, it's so interesting as a podcaster to see all of this like weird, oh, people are obsessed with murder and they're not caring about the victims and things like that. Well, then dig into the actual episodes that we're talking about, because I feel like it's it's not you can't nail us to the cross for not taking it seriously if these kinds of changes are being made to, to these stories. Yeah. It's just leave us alone. The shows,
0: I've, I've said this before. I, I've threatened to do a podcast about it. I feel like true crime is kind of a bubble. And yeah. you're seeing it with how specific these investigation discovery shows are getting. And they're mm-hmm. getting really desperate to repackage crimes because crime's harder now. Technology advances make crimes harder. Fingerprints made crimes harder. DNA made crimes harder. Cell phone location data made crimes harder. And now you have to pull stunts like this to make it seem like this was just two roommates who decided to move in with each other and one of them went crazy. And like there is a show now, Caitlin, it's called Murder Under the Friday Night Lights. You know what that means? It means it's about murders related to high school football. Yeah what I know what, why, what is happening? There can't be enough of those.
1: And if yeah, there think, are, who cares? That doesn't what blows need to be my a show. mind though, is that people who enjoy true crime are completely capable and have the capacity to, and I would even go as far as to say, are looking for complex stories. They want a complicated story because it's a, it's something to kind of bat around in your head. This is a great example of like, okay, We have a really crummy guy, gross guy, who, as the fates decided, decided to focus on this one girl, presumably because she had no support system. Little did he know that this was not the bear you wanted to poke. And here we are. And that is a much more interesting story. But the problem is, is, you know, as you know... These all have to get packaged under the theme of the show and all these things. And it's just, it sucks. It's like, it's why shows like Dateline last forever, because they don't have to do that. All they yeah. have to do is tell the story and leave it at, it's a Dateline episode. And yeah, they've got conventions that they follow, but they just need to tell the story. And I think what has done damage more than anything is the themes of these shows. Yeah, yeah, I would because. You know, the Michael Peterson trial, which is the, the the basis of the staircase, has been on other shows that just kind of pick a perspective. And that's case in point. That's a 12 hour documentary. Yeah. <laughs> like, it's like, you know, there's a lot going on here, people.
0: Yeah, it's always interesting. It, it, it is really interesting to see how these crimes are portrayed on different shows.
1: Man, City Confidential was so good. Do you remember City Confidential? City Confidential
0: was good. I'll tell you, the show I think I like the best on Investigation Discovery right now is uh, See No Evil because that is just detectives recounting how they solved crimes using surveillance footage, which again, proof that crime is very hard now. But at least with that particular technology, sometimes the crime is caught on video, and
1: it's and it's straightforward because they're just talking about the thing that they caught on video. Yeah, well where they are not they can't lie.
0: They can't lie <laughs> because they're presenting the video evidence for what they are saying. So I'm I'm way into that show. That yeah, is, it's a good
1: show. It's still I like a that very,
0: show. Very pure. Here, I no mean, evil is good too, which is about yeah. like audio evidence.
1: I love a good audio. Mm-hmm. An audio archive moment in true crime is always so good when they show a little squiggly line. Oh yeah yeah yeah. yeah. Mm. Oh, they're talking. I can tell. Look at that. They're you can doing see the, the code. They're doing the Look thing. at that. this little little faded alleyway in the background. Look at that. Is I that audacity that. they're using?
0: Is that waves?
1: That's, that's spooky. Waves.co. This, this is spooky. Anyway. Wow, guys. Just wow. Yeah. Yeah.
0: yeah. I think that that's that's the episode. Uh, I hate this episode of Fear Thy Roommate so much more now. I hated it in the first place because I knew they were
1: lying. But
0: now, oh, man, I didn't think it would be as bad as it is.
1: It's so much worse than we thought, (laughs) which is (laughs) saying (laughs) a lot. Cause I was just like, oh, he's just, he's probably creepier. And I'm sure that she got breast implants too. Nope. Butt
0: implants.
1: Butt implants. Tried to get breast implants. Doctor refused. What the fuck? Also, isn't that doctor like a mandated reporter or something? Yeah, What's going would, on there?
0: I would think you'd have some questions. Who knows? <sighs> but uh, yeah, that's our episode. This is fun. We'll have to do this, do this again. Like you this, said,
1: this is great.
0: It's a fun format.
1: Yeah, it is. It is. It's going to get us in trouble. I like it.
0: Uh, Do we have anything to plug before we get out of here? Uh, No. Patreon.com slash Unpops, UnpopsNetwork.Supercast.Tech. You can get bonus episodes there, or you can get bonus episodes right in your silly little Spotify app, if that's where you listen to podcasts. And Soon you'll be able to get bonus episodes in Apple podcasts. Also, Apple is such a, like they have to call me with a code when I log in. So anything what? Apple related is going to take like six what? months. I'm that hold up in the corporate process. That's keeping our podcast f- from being I on. I feel
1: Apple. like it's not your fault. Like that should be something they they're Apple. Like, They're listening to this conversation right now. Why can't they figure this part out? That's weird.
0: Because they only will send codes to Apple devices. And I haven't had, well, I have an iPad now, but up until this point, they've had to call me and I still just have them call me. I'm, you know, I miss the connection.
1: That's nice to talk to people.
0: It really is. Mm -hmm. If I say repeat that code, they do it.
1: Wow.
0: It's, it's very, it's pretty handy.
1: That's so nice. So yeah, Apple podcast
0: should be able to get (laughs) the pod there uh follow the, the show at pretty scary boo on twitter and instagram mm-hmm. follow me at adam todd brown on both of those things todd with one d you know what follow caitlin too
1: yeah at caitlin rose cut on instagram at Bossy matilda i'm on a social media hiatus right now mm. um i just needed a break and uh it's frightening how much better i feel i'll be honest I'm, I'm, I'm shocked actually
0: people at home, take those apps off your phone.
1: I just, to to add this to the end of this, I decided that, um, just through mid February, I wasn't going to be looking at, at my personal social media stuff.
0: It's great. (sighs) Do
1: do it. I I can't, I, people would tell me they took breaks and I would kind of roll my eyes or whatever I did. I, I used to be that person. And then I had a really bad mental health day um, on a weekend. And I was like, what am I, what is wrong? And I literally started to just take stock of my whole life. And I was thinking I'm doing really well. Things are good. Why do I feel this way? And then I actually traced it back to a Twitter exchange that I had. And I'm like, never again, I'm not doing this. This, this has to stop. This cannot be my life. Like I cannot let some rando on the internet ruin my day. Like, yeah,
0: what I would, what I suggest, or at least what I do. And if I do it, it must be awesome. Yeah. I use Twitter through TweetDeck. There's also like Hootsuite. There's a bunch of different apps for it. And I don't show my mentions. So if anyone ever tweets at me, it's like, thanks for the anger or support. I'm never going to see it. Because then like, I also don't look at my like the the timeline or whatever the fuck they call it on Twitter, because I don't Want people's opinions about things. Like I don't like Twitter makes it seem like everyone has to have an opinion on everything. Yeah, and no, you don't. That's not how life used to be, and I think we were all a lot happier when we didn't know how our neighbor felt about.
1: Absolutely. I don't
0: know whether Beyonce is really an Italian woman named Marie Lastrasi.
1: <laughs> what? <Well>, like- <laughs> I just love it because you actually know about all this anyway, which is very funny to me. We just did but, a
0: conspiracy episode about and yeah. R&B conspiracies.
1: I love those. Um, the thing is, is that the tweet deck and all of that is useful if you have a business and you have to get in inter- like what we do. Mm-hmm. But I hate to say it. It's just like, I don't know. Maybe we just need to go back to making an, an, a newsletter <laughs> like online. Yeah, I mean, just seriously, I don't I am. I am disturbed by how much better I feel. And I've been off of it for five days.
0: Yeah, I've been mostly off of social media for over a year now, probably close to two years. And it's great. Do not put Twitter on your phone, people. It's insane. Who? And at the very least, turn your notifications off. Like if you're one of these people who's like, oh, my phone, my battery died in half an hour from all the notifications I got. Well, that's your fault. Fuck face. Turn your notifications off. Like, that's a very simple thing to do. Just go in. Like, if you're being bothered by it, go turn it off. I don't know. This is a whole other episode. It Social is. Media anyway, is but I, I did want to world. tell
1: everybody that if you're tweeting at me right now and trying to talk to me, I'm not there. So,
0: yeah, I'm not there either. I did respond to someone on the pretty scary Twitter the other day, but yeah. it was like a customer service question.
1: Yeah, there you go. That's fine. Yeah. All right. right.
0: That was a long ending. Let's get the fuck out of here. Fuck yeah. Caitlin, say goodbye.
1: Goodbye. Get a screaming Sicilian pizza for for yourself.
0: Goodbye, everybody. We love the screaming Sicilian pizza so
1: much. So much.